The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. Hi and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast. This is a weekly show dedicated to all things Port Adelaide Footy Club. I'm your host, Macca19, and joining me as always is Fishing Rico4. How are you going? Good, good. And for her long-awaited return on the podcast, we are talking with Portia. Hello, how's it going? Good, good. Great to have you back on. Yeah, it's good to be back on. Although I don't like the fact that you're making me do a lot of work to do it. I have to earn it, do I? <laughs> That's it. We've done a lot of work for this one, so hopefully it's a good one. Um, we're going to be talking about sort of list structure and list management, um, how we can improve our list over the next three, four, five, six years um, and get it to looking like a premiership winning squad. Um, but first and foremost, Portia, I want to hear about your um, thoughts on our draft strategy this year because we had a bit of an argument after on draft night um, and I want to hear your thoughts on uh, on why we drafted the way we did. Look, um, if you want my most cynical uh, opinion, I would say the reason we drafted why we did is because we lost Alan Richardson shortly before the draft and uh, I think that the indulgence of the recruiting team was uh, fully allowed. Um, I can't see any real any real clear sense in the way we've recruited, especially if we've recruited the way that we've publicly said we have. Um, a lot of small defenders, that's, you know, that's an okay thing. And yeah, okay, we're a bit weak at small defence, but uh, in reality, I mean, that's the sort of player you can probably trade in with a second round pick rather than actually use one to draft one that's completely untried. Um, I'm not really sure what the goal was with that. I wouldn't have thought it was an urgent need for us. I would have thought that making sure we had uh, a bit of uh, small forward depth behind someone like uh, Hitchcock and Gray, who are two of our most continually injury-prone players at the moment. Um, of course, Monfries has got a pretty good injury record himself, and he had a good year this year, but, you know, I, I think that we're running a bit shallow there. Maybe he can go forward, maybe Amon can go forward, I'm not sure. But uh, I guess the other concern I'd have is about height, um, obviously excluding Harvey. I'm not sure really what we're trying to do there. Um, it seems like we are building as if it was 2007. I'm, I'm not sure what's going on there, quite honestly. I, I don't think we needed that sort of player uh, set incoming, and I don't think it really matches the outgoing, you know, guys like Brett Ebert. You know, ha- I'm not saying we want to get a small marking forward, but uh, I don't know that we needed to add another halfback to the list instead, especially when we only got Stevenson and Heath last year as well. Um, as for the rookies, um, again, I look, I think that in a weak draft, I don't know why you'd put a... a uh, and I suppose an underheight player on the rookie list is a development player because that really doesn't seem like a, it's going to pay off long term. Um, you do that with Ruckman typically, I would have thought. Uh, and I suppose next year we might well do that, uh, given it's supposed to be a good draft year for big players. But uh, for this year, I'm just not really sure what we're aiming at with guys like Sam Gray. Um, yeah, but uh, overall, I was uh, pretty happy with the drafting of Harvey. I have to say that of the... Um, key position forwards that were going to go in this draft. I actually didn't mind him too much. I know that his endurance has been given a huge knock, um, but that, in a way, it's, I think that's actually almost a good thing uh, because it means that all he really needs to do is work really hard, you know? Um, he, doesn't have a, he doesn't have a flaw in his talent. He doesn't have some sort of attitude problem, probably. Um, he just needs to work hard. He's a South Australian kid. He's going to get pressure from everywhere that will keep him online. And, uh, you know, I'm just reminded of uh, Dean Cox, He's the classic example of a guy that was drafted on the rookie list in his case with a complete lack of endurance. They thought he had none. And, you know, over time, with hard work, he became basically the most enduring ruckman in the game, um, able to run everywhere all the time. 
because he'd never challenged himself to do it before. You know, it wasn't really required, and so he didn't do it. And I'm sort of hoping that Harvey might be in that same category of guys that have got a huge tank, but they've never really had to use it, so they never tried. Never tried to develop it. Um, that's a hope. That's not really based on anything. <laughs> I, yeah, but uh, if you know, I suppose the other upside is that uh, from what is it, cult status potential, having a big ranger full forward would be pretty fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely, mm. rangers, big red. Yeah, but that's all I've got. Any thoughts from you guys? Or I've grown to like our draft strategy this year. I've seen a bit of a correlation between what we're going to talk about in a moment um, and how we've drafted this year. Rick, okay. what do you think? What are your thoughts? Well, I was I was trying to lead you to rebutting because I wanted to hear the argument between you and Porsche. <laughs> but but yeah, I didn't mind it either, Macca. I I thought a big need for us is a small defender, more even more so than a small forward. And and uh, the you know after the McCarthy was drafted by um, who was it? Was it Frio? No, they took Aitness, didn't they? GWS, that's right, yep. the shock one there. Um, you know, there wasn't really much left with, with the the tall forwards anyway in that first round pick. And I I, I know Porsche, you're going to disagree with me, but I, yep. I think our midfield de- depth is starting to become really strong now. And uh, I was happy to to roll the dice. I mean, MP was a bit of a shock, um, but uh, you know, let's back him in and let's see what he can do. His some of his highlights were great and. Uh, you know, he might be able to convert from that small defender to a midfielder and push up the ground anyway. Well, like, I mean, I guess from my perspective, yeah, obviously as soon as he's on the list, I want him to succeed. And I guess we could always be looking at the potential that, as I said, based on what they've actually said in the media, the port uh, administrators, maybe it's not a great choice. But, you know, if it's on the basis that, uh, say, someone like Byrne Jones might become a eventual replacement tagger for Cassisi or Corns, you know, arguably Impey with his build could do that as well. So that's a possibility. And I suppose in that light, I'd probably review it a, a bit more um, kindly than I have. I think the good thing think... is that the players that we drafted, especially the smalls, can all play in multiple positions. I think that's something that we really looked at doing, and especially with the pace of the players mm-hmm. that we did pick up. Um, as you said, I mean, there's, there's quite a lot of potential there to, to become a tagger or, you know, a switching forward defender. Um Probably a couple of centimetres too short, a couple of them, but well, I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. Giant. Yeah. The only one I'm not 100% sure on is uh, is the Sam Gray pick. I really like Sam Gray, but um, I don't know. It just sort of screams a bit of sort of Ben Holland's Jackson Crab sort of thing to me. Mm, totally agree. Mm. I think that Jones looks exciting. I'm really, I'm really excited to uh, see mm. what he can do. Yeah, look, um, I, I guess that at the end of the day, this is not as bad a draft as 2010, so I'm pretty happy with it. Mm. And I think the criticism with Harvey was is that he's a uh, a lead kick lead kick type player, and does he okay. have the work ethic to push the boundaries and running further up the ground more often? But like you pointed out, he's still young, and he can build his endurance, and he can learn that, can't he? Yeah, that's the one thing you can really... That's You know, if you've got Burgess, that should almost be what we were trying to recruit because he can fix the rest. You know? Well, and not even Burgess, but he's got Jay Schultz. I mean, really, the oh, club true. should be get, getting Schultz to mentor him bang straight away. Schultz was pretty just, athletic, though, as a junior. Mm, was he? Yeah. He should be able to impart that on to um, Harvey, though, in relation to work ethic and, and oh, what he has to do as a forward. Taking so, north to the back of the head and not getting free kicks. I mean, that's a pretty useful lesson for a Port Adelaide forward, isn't it? Yeah. 
Well, what about Treadway? He got every free kick going around, oh, didn't he? I know. Oh, no, you're quite right. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into it. Um, the reason why we're doing this podcast is to talk about this structure, what we need to do to improve our squad, to make it into a premiership winning squad. Um, that's the whole reason why the players play footy and why we watch it. Um, it's been 10 seasons now since our last flag. To be honest, I'm not too happy about that. Um, I want to taste that success again. Um, so what we thought we'd do is review our list structure, compare it to premiership squads um, over the last 20 years and see what we need to do to get it up to that premiership level list-wise. So what we've done <clears throat> is chosen four AFL premiership squads. Um, what we'll be doing is comparing our current list to North Melbourne 1996, Sydney 2005, Geelong 2007 and Hawthorne 2008 as well as the Port Adelaide SNFL Premiership winning squad of uh, 1988 as well. Now, the reason why we've chosen these sides is that they've all made at least three grand finals and won two of them um, in their Premiership window. Um, we've specifically not chosen um, uh, Brisbane because we think that they've had a little bit of an unfair advantage in how their list came together in terms of the Fitzroy thing. Um, so this is all about drafting, um, and we think this is... This is going to show us what we really need to do to improve our score to get it up to that level. First things first, should we talk about the uh, the correlation between the squads? What's a, a couple of the common links that we've sort of discovered? Uh, yeah, sure, no problem. Uh, well, basically, I've sort of broken it down by section a little bit, but um, there's a few things that are an absolute commonality. First of all, in defence, you will find that regardless of whether the experience is in tall players or small players, all all of these dynasty teams have a batch of defenders in the 100 games plus bracket, uh, and uh, that seems to be a really important to have that cohesive group of defenders. Um, we've also, interestingly, within defence, the actual quality of key position defenders, which we normally rate as quite important, has been very mixed. Um, it looks like you can have an okay key defender as long as you've got some really good flankers and pockets backing them up. So that's an interesting look for us uh, going forward. Um, every one of these dynasty sides has got at least two uh, mature ruckmen that are 21 years and older. Um, the actual quality of the ruckman doesn't seem to matter. It looks like the most important part is that they can contest. Uh, I think probably the biggest exception here would have been North Melbourne's Corey McKernan, who was an absolute star for them. But uh, I think that when you look at that North Melbourne 1996 list in hindsight, um, it was actually fairly shallow, so they probably needed that extra boost. Um, key forwards was another interesting one. All of these dynasty sides have had a focal point key forward, which um, speaks to the quality of the player in a lot of cases, certainly. We're looking at people like Buddy Franklin, Scott Hodges, Wayne Carey, Barry Hall was pretty good, and Cameron Murney being the uh, fifth person in that list. I suppose the main... Uh, Thing to other, consider, other consideration as far as forwards is concerned is not only did they have the focal point key forward, but that they had a structure set up that could support a focal point key forward. They had, I suppose, something different to what Port Adelaide do today where we sort of flood back and then try and run forward all at once. Um, it looks like they actually have some sort of system, probably a lot of uh, midfield clearance as well. Um, small forwards, there doesn't seem to be any real solid commonality between the squads here, um, except that you can see that mostly the, the best of the small forwards that are actually listed are... Uh, are more like goal-kicking midfielders. They're the guys that sort of come on the burst and then kick goals uh, near the 50, I suppose, uh, rather than being the specialist pocket players like guys like, uh, I suppose, Phil Matera, Stephen Milne, you know, uh, there's been a few. Uh, classic finals are uh, disappointments there, and uh, it certainly seems that uh, they're not the guys that uh, end up in these dynasty sides or, I suppose, really contribute to them. I don't think there's really been a premiership-winning side that's had a, a small forward as the main focal point, to be honest. 
Oh, no, there definitely hasn't been. But um, whether they're a, a, con a consistent contributor or not, I suppose, is the other con consideration, I suppose. But, like, you had... Uh, did you have a Port Adelaide um, oh, in 2004? Wasn't it... Um, you had a... Oh, I suppose Pick... No, not really. He was sort of more defensive, wasn't he? Yeah. Mm, yeah, we mostly had resting midfielders yeah. in the forward line. That was probably a big bonus. Um, the next category, I suppose, is midfield, which is the obvious one. Um, the most obvious commonality here is that you should aim to have the majority of your midfielders in that uh, 23 to 28 age bracket of prime playing with 100 games of experience, um, and that's across the board. Um, the first-rate midfielders, you need to have a couple of guys that you could consider to be worthy of winning a Brownlow in any given year, um, and uh, that's certainly something that's quite hard to recruit, uh, and sometimes you can get lucky, but a lot of the time you can't. Um, the other interesting thing I found was the uh, secondary midfielders can be quite a uh, mixed batch. You know, you always hear about um, silky-skilled midfielders, uh, secondary midfielders, and uh, guys that have got pace to burn and all that sort of thing. But to be a dynasty side, it looks like what you really need is uh, three things. You need reliability, you need endurance, and you need uh, accountability um, from these guys. So we're looking at guys like Anthony Rock in North Melbourne. You look at the North Melbourne 1996 side and they're just all triers and they're just consistent and they turn up every week and do everything they can and just play with their heart. And uh, it's it's really interesting to see that, uh, you know, it, the most important thing is having guys that will present every week. Uh, and I think that we've certainly got a good chance there with Hinkley as a motivator and uh, I suppose the quality in our list and the ethics that are being built up in it. Um, the other last interesting thing I think about the midfield is that uh, pure outside midfielders, so we're talking about speedy contest avoiders, uh, if I'm being cynical, I'm going to say you're Nathan Loney types. Um, there's not really many of them in these teams. Uh, the guys that are outside, they're outside because it's better for the team, not because they can't contest. They all can contest, even guys like, you know, I suppose Andrew Mackey, I suppose, if he ever gets a run up there. It's, uh, you know, every midfielder in these sides, they can get in there if they need to. And that's an interesting thing, I think. Um, yeah. Good stuff. I think uh, the main thing that I want to talk about is the experience of the Premiership winning squads. And mm. I've done a bit of a chart. We'll, we'll put some charts and tables up um, in the podcast thread to have a look at. Um, pretty much out of the last 20 or, I guess, 18 years, ever since sort of 96, every Premiership winning team, except for the two Crows flags, <laughs> has been very, very experienced. Now, I'm not sure mm. why the two Crows flags were different. I think they had a lot of injuries in 97 in terms of their actual... Um, grand final side itself because um, they only had just over 1500 games worth of experience which is incredibly low um, but the average of between 96 and 2013 the average amount of games in your premiership winning team um, is 2641 which is uh, which is up there that's quite a lot currently we're on 2037 which was our semi-final team so we really need to find about 600 games worth of experience um, on average uh, before we've really got a premiership winning side. How many seasons is that? That's Two seasons. <laughs> You're looking at two or three Season. seasons. If you look at the yeah. uh, the three Brisbane flags in 01, 02, 03, theirs went from 2,758 games in 01, uh, 3,100 games in 02, and then 3,450 games in 03. Right. So it does grow by about 300 games per year. Okay which is pretty interesting. But even the uh, even the so-called youthful premiership teams, you're looking at sort of maybe West Coast in 06, um, Hawthorne in 08, and, mm. uh, well, that's probably it, really. Um, even, even they had, you know, 2,600, to, and uh, Collingwood in 2010 had 2,200 as well, so... Your, um, your chart maker shows how um, uh, amazing the 1988 Port Adelaide side was, as well, really. Well, that's and, right. Uh, yeah. 
and and with their experience level so low, uh, you can see how they had such a dynasty for those young players to uh, to perform oh. so well on the big stage so early. Yeah, but uh, look, I mean, there's a lot of young performance at the 88 side, but uh, I think that uh, you know, obviously, the games is probably not what you look at want to look at there. It's the age, and you can see guys, you know, Boyd, Curtis, Ebert, Abernathy, they're all 25 and up. Stephen Williams, you know, <laughs> Darren Smith's 23. I suppose that's borderline, but. Uh, Kerr, 27, Simpson, 28. They're all right up there as far as age. Yeah, and so you've got guys that are, yeah, okay, they might be, I suppose, SNFL experience, but, um, you know, who knows? They've got the age, I suppose, that uh, level here. Mm. But it's all those younger players in the 1 to 50 bracket which sort of followed followed through in that dynasty, really, didn't they? They're the ones that made it a dynasty, you're right. Yeah, sorry, that's where I was sort of heading with, with that comment. Because mm. I just seem we've had such a skewer. When you look at the the different teams in the in the in those twenty years, as we had such a skew in that one to fifty bracket compared mm. to all the other sides. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Look at that. There it is. It's all over. Port Adelaide. They had the power to win, and it was very much history in the making today. All right, so we'll go into sort of the sections now. We'll start talking about the key defenders um, because that's sort of a talking point. Um, a, a lot of people on our board thought we needed another monster key defender. Um, looking at it statistically, I'm not sure we actually do. I think we're, we're pretty well set for key defenders. Um, mm. Portia, what do you uh, think about that? Look, I think that uh, you could make a case for a monster key back because there are going to be, you know, these absolutely huge key forwards coming through. Um, if you could get a guy about 198, you consider it, but we don't need more 193s, 195s. If we're, we're looking at basically, I suppose, uh, an almost a, a centre-half-back ruck type. Uh, I guess an, an up-heighted Greg Phillips or something like that. And that would be the only way you'd really look at it. I don't think we need to be drafting guys on spec Um uh, I certainly don't think it's a drafting priority. Uh, we look at the analysis of the other dynasty sides, and as I said, uh, basically the quality of the key position back line is, you know, it, it can be it can be variable. Uh, you can have some really good players there, or you can have them supported by them, some, some fantastic uh, flankers and pockets. So uh, I think that we've got uh, Homsch and Clury, I suppose, is that second tall. Tringo, look, honestly, I've been so impressed with him. I think we can lock him in as a centre-half back for the next five years with no consideration whatsoever. I'd just have him in there straight away. Yep. Carlisle, um, 26, you know, we're sort of saying, acting like he's one of the old guys at the team, and I suppose he is, but he's still as a key position defender. You'd be surprised if he wasn't playing for at least another four years. Uh, I'd be absolutely stunned if he wasn't. So we've got some really good defensive options going forward, um, and we've got some okay depth there. I suppose you could add one extra guy if you just wanted to be absolutely certain, um, but I, I wouldn't really be rushing to, and I suppose we don't know whether guys like, um, I suppose someone like Mason Shaw might become a centre-half back rather than a key forward. It all comes down to how they develop, and I suppose what the club decides is uh, more important for them personally. Um, but I think as far as key defenders is concerned, I think we're actually going pretty well. Yeah, me too. I think when you compare them to the other five sides, um, mm-hmm. we do look pretty good. All, all they need is time, really. Yep. Um, another two years, I mean, Homs will probably get another 30 to 40 games in those two years. Cleary will start playing games as well. Mm. I think we look pretty set. I mean, North Melbourne only really had Martin and Fairley as their two uh, key defenders on their entire squad. Yeah. In 96. Uh, they had Paul Geister as well, but he didn't really get many games. Mm. Um, Sydney, you're looking at sort of Craig Bolton and LRT. Um, they had Saddington and Shawble who um, left at the end of that year as well. Um, they recruited Ted Richards for a replacement. Um, mm. 
Geelong, they had Harley and Scarlett and Egan as well. A um, couple of old guys there. Um, so really, I think all we need is time with our defence, and I think they'll uh, they'll start to gel really well in terms yeah. of the tolls. I don't really think we need to trade one in. Um, and to be honest, looking at... Um, I know we didn't really do much research on them, but looking at Hawthorne's uh, 2013 Premiership side, they only had one key defender over 190 centimetres in yeah. Brian Lake. He was 195, and then they had two guys that were 189 in Stratton <clears throat> and, and Gibson, and that's it. Well, look, I mean, I think that um, it's not one of the teams that we actually assessed for this, but I think that the classic example for me is Port Adelaide's 2004 side, where we had someone like Bishop run up behind the leading forward and then Mon- Brett Montgomery cutting him off all the time. Yeah. I mean, how many times did he get run down by a leading forward? It was all the time. And so you yeah. can cover that, you know, as long as you've got a, a guy with enough height and I suppose the, the pace and awareness to keep up, you can cover a lot of guys. Um, but I suppose we've never really had, you know, these absolute giant key forwards that, you know, basically could be Ruckman if they wanted to be. Um, I think that's something new that's coming up. Whether they'll actually be up to the uh, ability to, I suppose, perform as a key forward every week is going to be another question. But, uh, you know, it's always going to be a little bit of a struggle. I suppose that the only comparison I can think of is that when, you know, Essendon had Steve Alessio at full forward, um, that was always a difficult matchup in a lot of ways. But uh, it came down to the flankers to really cut him off. Well, I think that's the key, really. It's all about team defence. Um, it's mm. not really about one-on-ones. One-on-ones is, yep. a, is a very old-school thing. That might have happened in North Adelaide, uh, North Adelaide, North Melbourne, 1996. <laughs> um, yeah. But if you look at the team defence of uh, the other sides we've looked at, mm. um, and, and you can really tell that, you know, it, it was their flankers, their their back pockets, the flankers really cutting off the leads. And you can tell, especially with Porto 4, we had Monty and Bishop. Mm. Um, those guys really cutting off the leads. Chad Corns was a master of that as well. Yep, um, yep. And it's the same story looking at Sydney, looking at Geelong, looking at Hawthorne. Um, it, it's all about getting players to the contest as opposed to relying on, on your key defender to really kill the contest. Yeah, but I guess that's one of the things that we're really seeing a lot more now than we did back in a lot of these times is that uh, our key defenders seem to get isolated with a key forward quite often. I'm not sure why that is. I'm not sure if it's structural or if that we're just getting caught we out. That but that's something, yeah, something we definitely. Need to so we might as well start talking about the general defenders, the small defenders and flankers. And, and this is something that I've seen or, or noticed in all of these sides is, is a lot of pace, a lot of mm. pace, a lot of creativity, a lot of attacking from the defence. Um, and that's why I'm pretty happy with how we've drafted this year. I think we've, we've seen that as a, as a real hole in our side and we've tried to add pace um, and, and hopefully some of that sort of helping to cut off the leads and all that sort of stuff as well. But if you look at North Adelaide... Uh, Again, North Adelaide. Why am I talking about North Adelaide? North Melbourne, uh, 96. You're looking at sort of David King, Robert Scott, um, Blakey and Schwoss. They were all very, very quick, very attacking players. Uh, you look at Sydney as well. They had uh, Ablett, Kennelly and Barry. Um, Geelong had Mackey, Enright, Wojcinski and Milburn. Very attacking. You look at Hawthorne as well. I mean, Birchall, Hodge, Bateman, Guerra. Very, very quick players. Um, and I think that's why we've really chosen to draft it the way that we did this year. Look, Macca, I'm looking at the same section as you are, but I'm seeing the other names. I'm seeing guys like uh, Nix and Barry and uh, Bevan. You know, they were just really good, accountable defenders. I'm looking at all the other really accountable guys in defence that aren't the pacey guys. And I think that, uh, you know, there's, there are pacey guys, but I think it's the other guys that are bred about the bread and butter of the defence, uh, quite honestly, you know? Yeah, that's that's a fair point as well. Nix didn't play in a premiership, though. No, that's true. That's true. Neither did Danny Jacobs, but he was useless. So. I would never count Danny Jacobs as a footballer <laughs> worth mentioning. But Brent Guerra certainly fits my category, I would have said. Um, he's a very smart, canny defender that uh, is quite accountable. Yep. Um, it, you look at the general defenders at Port Adelaide, you know, Paul North East, he wasn't the super fast guy, was he? Um, no, no. 
Fiatchi. Yeah. You think of them streaming out of defence, though, don't you? I mean, uh, you do. If you think of all. Oh, well, that's right, and if you and it goes back to your conversation before about having the right structure, mm, and I think mm. and Haw and even though we don't have Hawthorne on the list this year, they had a very fantastic structured defence which allowed them to play so well, and and that's where we've been exposed. And yeah, but pace from defence doesn't hurt. It's not really just about pace; it's more about creativity, knowing when to I totally leave your man to go and cut off, you know, knowing when to attack, knowing when to run forward of the play. And that's something that I think if you look at the last maybe 15 or 16 premiership sides, they've all got those very attacking players coming out of defence, knowing when yeah. to run, when to defend, um, when to leave their man, you know, when to be accountable. Um, and that's something that just gets learnt over time. And I, I think that's something that you do see when you look at these charts is that it's all about the defence, but it's all about an experienced defence. They're all very, very yeah. old, very experienced. Yeah. They've all played a lot of games together. But I, I guess just um, going back to the guys who were drafted this year, I guess the one of the, I suppose, the supposed defenders at this point that I'm actually pretty keen on is Carl Amon. Um, now, the reason for that is that in the highlights, and unfortunately it's only highlights I'm really going off here, he always seemed to keep the ball moving. And I think that's a hugely important part of defence. I think that any time you see a defence under trouble, it's when some guy's got the ball by himself and he's looking around for an option, he can't find one. Um, I don't think any pace for that. I think you need that in t- incredible awareness. Uh, I'm not saying that Amon's got it, but I'd like to think that uh, there might be a chance he does, and that that's why we've gone for him. Um, and I think that yeah, pace is good, but awareness beats it all every time. Every time. Disposal usage is pretty important in modern football out of defence too. Now, isn't it? Oh uh, yeah, but that's as much structure as anything, isn't it? I mean, these guys can kick. These guys can kick, but um. You know, the problem is that, and this is going back to the forward lines as well, if you're having to run flat chat to make your kick, you're not going to be kicking well no matter whether you're, how, good, how good a kick you are, you know. The the fast, the, the slowest guy in the league and the worst kick in the league can be a fantastic kick if they've got time to settle and take a shot. Whereas if they're running and they've you know, got someone on their tail, there's no chance at all that they're going to kick well. And uh, that's where structure comes in, blocking for each other, securing possession, all that sort of stuff. So, mm. yeah, pace is good, but it's not everything. I think it's all about experience. I mean, you look at the mm. charts and you look at the 100 games onward, we've got one player in uh, in Tom Logan and that's it. And every other club that we've sort of uh, focused on here is, you know, three, four, five, six players in that yep. sort of, in that bracket. So it's all about playing games together, I think. Oh, yeah. And if you look at that defence as a group, I suppose you'd say we're three or four seasons away from being one of these dynasty sides. Um, yep. but, but on the other side, I suppose, if you look at that, our squad again, you can see that we've got the players there that you could say are really going to be there. I can't yep. see Jonas trailing off. I can't see O'Shea trailing off. Um, I think that uh, someone like Trengove, as I've said previously, he's a... He's an absolute champion. I'm ready to lock him in for, you know, best and fairest uh, a couple of times probably in the next five years. I think that he's going to be absolutely rock solid for us. Yeah. Um, so we've got the pieces there. Um, I suppose this is another reason why I'm querying the drafting from this year because the small defenders, you know, they're going to need a heap of experience. How long is it going to take for MP to get up into that bracket and really contribute to our defence? I, I don't know. I, I still feel we could have drafted, maybe not drafted, um, traded someone in with that uh, pick that we... Used used on MP. I think we could have maybe looked around on the fringes of other clubs. Surely there must have been someone we could have pushed less. Oh, look, I think uh, it's, it's just time. I really liked our defence by the end of the season uh, this year. I um, I thought the unit was starting to play quite cohesively, and I just think they just need a bit of time. And and I guess we spoke off air of uh, the the follies of uh, Port. 
over 08 and 09, and that's led for an elongated process of us bottoming out. And unfortunately, uh, I just think you know, we need another one or two seasons with those defenders playing well together. I thought Alipade uh, really developed well this year. Um, and showed the growth in his game, and I agree with uh, Trengrove. I think it's going to be fantastic, and I'm a big fan of uh, of the glove, Jonah. So I think we've got the nucleus now with those mm. new boys coming in as well. Um, I can't see a need for us really to to sort of panic and and cough up any any dramatic picks or anything to try and draft in someone, unless there's a massive injury. I mean, I think we're really in trouble if Trengrove, heaven forbid, did an E, and I ho- hopefully that never happens, but. I think we'd really be exposed if, if that was to happen. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure, again, for the reasons we previously mentioned, I think that if you've got a guy chasing up and a guy cutting off, we could cover it. But as you said, he, you know, he is pretty good, and um, he, I suppose he's our biggest defender as well, so that would probably be a, a bit tricky. We'll find out. Yeah. But, I mean, how many teams carry on their roster uh, two or three key defenders at 197-plus centimetres. Um, not many. You know, no. Not many, not many at Looking all. Looking at this, only, uh, only really Hawthorne did it with uh, Zach Dawson as backup. All right, moving on, let's talk about key forwards. Okay, well, look, um, this is one of my little pet projects that I complain about every year. Um, first of all, I'll get my I told you so out of the way. Um, back in 2009, I was saying we should go for three tours. We should have gone for Butcher, Daniel Talia and Jake Carlisle. And right now, I look like a genius. Um, unfortunately, we didn't do that. And Butcher has been a bit of a letdown um, as far as, I suppose, consistency of performance. Now, we're in a situation where we could recover from this. We'd be crossing our fingers and touching wood and any other superstitious thing you can think of. But... Uh, Really, we need Butcher to perform this year. Otherwise, we definitely need to just start flinging out there to get as many key forwards as we possibly can to fill gaps because Schultz is not going to last a lot longer. Les Toff, he's always going to be a third tall. Um, I know I say that a lot, but um, he just I just don't think he's a structure a structural player. Um, Shaw, he hasn't played a game. Harvey hasn't played a game. And they're both going to have to do a hell of a lot of work on fitness and so forth to get up to speed still. Um, they're probably two years away from, I suppose, even remotely being a consistent contributor. So... There's a hell of a lot on Butcher right now, which is uh, a bit rough on him, um, particularly given the background that he's come from uh, as far as injuries. Uh, but uh, look, that's the situation we're in. We've made our, uh, uh, our situation and we've just got to go with it for now. But uh, he's got this whole season to really prove he can do it. And if he can't, if he sort of breaks down, we've really got to go out there and scatter shot for some fill-ins. I think we'll probably have to trade in someone um, to fill a gap. Yeah. I mean, I it's thought cool. it was... Sorry, Mac. I was just going to say it was quite evident if you look at the uh, of all those teams, they had quite an even spread of um, uh, forwards in their roster in the games mm. played. And yep. whereas we've got, as as you rightly point out, Portia, we've got one key forward in the hundred game plus. I agree. I don't think Westoff you can classify as a, a true key forward. And then we've got this gap in games played, and then Butcher, mm. and and we've been really exposed by uh, his injury, and mm. unfortunately. Uh, it's hard to hard to make that up, and so now we we've almost got this uh, gap in our in our roster, and we I, I think we just we're going to have to push hard, and and this is right up your alley, Porsche. But I think next year we're going to have to do something at the trade table to try and if we have another successful year to try and get as early pick as possible and no. just try and target a key forward. <laughs> no, don't agree. I don't think we're going to no. draft our way out of this one. I think that um, we sort of have to hang in there. Hope that Harvey and Shaw come along. Um, if you look at these other premiership teams that we've done in this little uh, spread, 
they usually have one key forward, but then the other guys are just, you know, they're good players. They're not great players. And um, if we can get Butcher or one of those guys, Butcher, Shaw or Harvey, to be a, a pretty good player and the others are just, you know, they're just solid guys that can fill in, you know, kick a couple of goals, be a lead-up Quinton Lynch type player, that's really all we need from them. Um, I think drafting, look, if we're drafting next year, what, we'll be drafting an 18-year-old. We're looking at our defence coming online as far as being a, a dynasty defence in about three years. It's going to take at least three years for some guy we draft next year to be consistent, I would have thought. It's really the great void, isn't it? Mm, um, it is. L- looking at the squad. We've neglected um, it for a decade, so what can you say? I, well, that's it. I, I really think we should have drafted another toll in 06 when it was a, a big tolls draft. Instead um, of Paul Stewart. We, yeah, I think we screwed the pooch there. And mm. I do agree that we did really need to go for two tolls in 09. I Three mean, that was just... Level, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, at, at least two. That would have been obvious. Yeah. yeah that, yep. was, that was so obvious. There was the players there. We had the picks um, with those players there. It, it really should have happened. Um, yeah. And, and it has really put us in a, a bit of a horrid situation now. I mean, we all love Schultze. We all love Westhoff. Yep. Um, but behind that, you know, we, we've got a lot of question marks because there's no guarantees that Harvey's going to make it. There's no guarantees that Shaw's going to make it. No. And Butcher, you know, if Butcher has another really bad year this year, he could be delisted straight away. Oh, yeah. Well, what, happens, what happens with Shields? Say, say he gets injured for half a season. What do we do then? Well, statistically, Pray? if you go through his record, he's usually only played about 16, 18 games in a season anyway. So you're going to have six games without him anyway by, by the odds. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think we'll be hoping to play Butcher and Shaw quite a bit this year just to try and fast-track their development. Um, I don't think we'll be playing Harvey this year um, unless he really surprises or we're in a lot of <laughs> a lot of strife and have no other sort of options, I think. But, Can I be really cynical? Um, yeah. Um, I don't think we're going to give a lot of game time to Shaw, and ha- to Shaw. I don't think we're going to give any more to Butcher than we really have to. I think we're going to try and mosquito fleet it because it's the shortest term option to get some sort of success, and I think we're going to go down a bad path if we do that. I hope not. I really mm. hope not. I guess um, we would have been hoping that Butcher would have been around about 50 games by now. Yeah. Four years on the list, you know, 50 games sounded about right. Unfortunately, with injury and form, he's only played 20. Mm. Um, Very up and down. And he's still got a lot of question marks over him. But you, you look at the other sides. I mean, Longmore, uh, Longmore, Longmire didn't play in the 96 side for North. Uh, but they had Kerry and Roberts. They had Groom, um, Danilchenko, and uh, Eric Lissenden as well. If you actually look at who they drafted um, at the end of 96, they picked up Kent Kingsley, Evan Hewitt, Martin Pike, Cameron Mooney, yeah. and Anthony Mellington, all key forwards. They knew it was a weakness, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, they just went, they went bananas and they, they knew what their weakness was and they, they got it, you know, they got it spot on. Yeah, and but I mean, I suppose the real uh, issue for me, I suppose, is that we don't even have a guy, like you look at our Hawthorne side, um, they had Franklin Roughhead Shaw, but they also had Boyle who played quite a few games. We didn't even have a guy of that calibre we can say, yep, now if Schultz goes down, we'll put him in and see how it goes. We, we, just, yeah. we just have nothing. It's, it's really quite concerning. I guess um, I guess if we were really desperate, we could try and throw Trengo forward. I know that he's got some form there as a junior. Um, that would be interesting, I suppose, but that would really be robbing our defence at a time where we really want them to be building a lot of experience together. What um, about the one that I keep banging? Look at Hawthorns as well. Mm. And even though they had Franklin and Ruffhead and Boyle, they still drafted Bo Dowler with a first-round pick the year after. And yeah. then the year after that, they picked Mitch, Mitch Thorpe as well. I think they were trying to corner the market, though, a bit like GWS have been trying to do. Yeah. What about Redden? Could we uh, could we maybe cover something with Redden? Oh yeah, well look, um, Redden and Lovey. I'm not sure. 
Britain and Lobby, honestly, if you're doing that, you're not going to be playing them structurally, are you? Basically, they're going to be part-timers. You'd want to have, if, you, if you're going to have them both on the side, you want them both playing 50% in right, pretty much. Um, mm. And so you can't have a... It's hard to have a 50% time centre-half forward, uh, I would have thought. But, uh, yeah, look, I mean, it'd be nice if they could fill that role. Um, I guess if you're throwing Trengo forward, you could try and play Lobby as centre-half back for that period and uh, do the reverse... I suppose um, put Redden forward when Trengo goes back and lobbies in the ruck or something like that, but that would give him a hell of a lot of game time each, um, and I don't think that we'll necessarily do that. It could be but very right. interesting. But Loeb mm. seemed to play a lot better with um, uh, the extra game time, didn't he, uh, oh, yeah. this year? So yeah. uh, I'm just wondering, do we do we look at maybe Redden as an option up forward as a, uh, you know, a 60% forward with maybe 20% in the ruck? Yeah, look, um, I, th- I suppose we could certainly do that. You know, there's certainly a precedent for that in Brendan Laird. He spent a lot of time up forward uh, in his starting yeah. years. And, uh, you know, he still learned how to ruck. He took the forward line uh, ruck contest and there'll certainly, hopefully, be a whole bunch of them coming up for us. If we have a problem with shorts, at least we can do is try and clog it up and then win it from a clearance. So I suppose that might be one of our emergency situations as well. If shorts goes down, is just kick it forward, clog it up and then ruck it out. One of the other things that if you look at the comparison between the teams and they, they all had Ruckman that could go forward and kick a lot of goals. I mean, North yeah. Kernan, um, Sydney had Jason Ball. Yep. Um, Geelong had Brad Ottens. Um, we had uh, David Hines in 88. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they, they all kicked a lot of goals. Yeah, no, totally agree. I guess the main query is that can we become a premiership threat uh, while Schultz and Westhoff are still playing? I mean, that's the big query at the moment. Uh, I think we can, but we need other players to fill some gaps. Like Schultz, it would be really great if we could set a Schultz look. All you've got to do is hang around the, the goal square and do short leads. And if we can do that, he can get a lot of time out of his body. But if we keep making him run down to the wing and back all the time and uh, you know, get thumped in the head constantly and God knows what else, I think that he's not going to last real long. Um, I think Westhoff's got a frame that he'll last for a very long time. I've got no issue with him being around. I think he's always got that creativity that uh, we've mentioned previously. But as a forward... That's phenomenal to be able to do what he does. Um, if he can keep his consistency up, I don't see why he shouldn't be around for the next three, four years comfortably. Um, but yep. we just we just need that focal point young guy coming up that uh, can go well. And again, uh, going across the old Premiership teams uh, thing, it doesn't matter how old your key focal point is. You know, we had Franklin at what 21, Ruffhead 21, um, and then we had ironically Hall at 28. Um, it doesn't matter. They just need to be talented and they. Uh, need to have support in a structure that supports them, but uh, it doesn't matter how old they are. So I suppose there is potential for Butcher to really step up, but, gee, you know, he's going to have to have an enormous 2014 for that to happen. Yep. So, Macca, do you agree with Porsche? you think it's too late to try and trade a key forward next year, or would would you make – Would do you agree with me? Would you still make, be making it a target? You mean draft? Draft, sorry. Uh well, it's a, it's a tough one because the 2014 draft is meant to be very, very good for uh, key forwards. Mm. It's meant to be very toll-heavy uh, and a lot of uh, gun key forwards in that draft. Yeah. Um, so I think it might be an option. I don't think it'll be our first option. No. Um, but it could well be for a sort of like a second or a third round pick again. I'd kind of think probably the other way is that we could get a good try from a club that's got a top five pick and they're looking at picking a Jack Watts type. You know, they're going to move someone on. And we might be able to pick someone up on the cheap that, uh, yep. you know, it's maybe, as I said previously, a good try, but nothing special. Because if we, even if we have one of those guys, you know, that would really help us out enormously. 
um, have Butcher or Harvey or Shaw be the talent, and then this guy just the plugger up front if Shorts goes down. It works pretty well. I mean, it's pretty hard to get draft a, a trade a quality key forward from another club, though, isn't well, it? Well, that's well the other no, option. look at someone like Chris Dawes. I mean, yeah, you can do it. You know, he's, he's okay. He's pretty good. Quinton Lynch, he's but changed he, clubs. There's a whole bunch of guys who changed clubs. But we, yeah, would Clark. we call them quality key forwards? I'd call them AFL capable, but I wouldn't say that they're your first choice. But we're not talking about a first choice key forward. I think it is unrealistic to expect a trade for that. Um, but we're sort of still hanging out there hoping that Butcher Shaw or Harvey will be the guy that we're really looking for. We just need someone to fill a gap until we get that. I suppose you could trade for a guy like I'm talking about and also draft with our first-round pick a key forward. That could help us, but uh, that's certainly putting our, our premiership uh, aspirations, I suppose, putting it back probably a couple of years, and uh, I don't know if that'll help us or not. Well, how do you, how do you get um, uh, that's putting us back a couple of years by drafting a key forward compared to, um, say, a key midfielder? Because our midfield and defence as a group are probably going to be in prime age in about three or four years, and it looks like if we're going to do that with key forwards, they won't be. No, no, it doesn't necessarily matter, but we're sort of putting a lot of hope in the draft in this particular area if we do that. The key forward uh, becomes more of a priority. It's a glaring gap in our roster, and I think it needs to be identified, and I don't think we can just sit on relying uh, in Harvey and Shaw, but we can always agree to disagree. We disagree all the time, Porsche. Yes, I'd love true. for us to be able to find a, a 23- or 24-year-old key forward um, that's played 50-odd games to trade in, but I'm just not sure it's going to be achievable. No, I'm not sure that it is either. Well, what about Sam Reid? Could he be uh, a target? Yeah, you know, now they've got Franklin and Tippett. Maybe, yeah. Is that maybe a t- might get target squeezed out. Chance. Yeah. Well, maybe they'll try to tip it back to us. <laughs> Well, that'd, 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 give us, well, that'd give us rock depth and it'd give us the key forward we're sort of looking for. It wouldn't be an awful idea. If they took a bit of that salary cap, I'd certainly be interested. <laughs> but it's Kurt Tippett. <laughs> yeah, I know. Wouldn't that stick it up everyone's nose, though? <laughs> well, that'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> Especially paying him legitimately. That would be oh, fantastic. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. We'll talk about the small forwards, the uh, the forward flankers. Um, Portia, your thoughts on uh, on the squads and how they looked? Uh, yeah, look, um, I think I mentioned previously that across the board it doesn't seem to matter too much. The best guys in any of these lots are usually your goal-kicking half forwards. Um, pocket players you don't really see too much. You know, gen- dedicated crummers, as much as I quite often go on about, oh, we need a dedicated crummer, it looks like they're really not all that important in the grand scheme of things, but, uh, you know, I still like them. Um, as for ours specifically, uh, look, you're looking at that pretty short list there. Uh, what does it need? Hitchcock, Gray, Montrez. Three of those guys have got uh, injury-filled pasts in Hitchcock, Gray and Montrez. Um, and Need has only got one year that we can really work it out on. Uh, I don't know. I think that we'll see guys maybe like Impey or, uh, God, I don't know, maybe Heath will get another run up forward. But I think that we'll see... Uh, I would like to say these guys are all going to be fit and they're all going to perform, but I just don't see that they necessarily will. Um, odds are that of Hitchcock, Gray and Montrez will lose basically, uh, I suppose, an equivalent of one of them for the season. Yeah, depending on how that actually goes, I'm not sure. Um, Hitchcock, I really think he probably should have been delisted, and I also think we should have recruited him, you know, hopefully a half-forward type. Um, would have been really nice to get a Dale Garlett and put him on a half-forward flank, but there you go. Um, would have been nice to rookie him the year before, I suppose. Uh, but, uh, look, I, I don't think we've got anything hugely to be concerned about. Um, if we just keep an eye out over the next two and three years in the draft, we might be able to pick up someone really good that sort of fell to us. That's the sort of a, the sort of best available pick I think we can actually have the luxury to do over the next couple of years. Is just go, oh, yep, there's a great small forward, best one in the draft, let's get him. You know, 
Um, but I'm not really too concerned about what we've got, except for the fact of their durability. Yeah, you can't disagree with that, really. I mean, Gray, Hitchcock, yeah, they're all injury-prone. What can mm -hmm. we do? I, I Honestly, I would have almost... Uh, I know I've, I've spoken about it with Macca, and it's a, another bugbear of mine is Garlet, and I would have been almost tempted to uh, I've draft him because I agree mm -hmm. it's... Pardon? I would have reckoned him last year, so... Yeah, <laughs> yeah and even if he didn't want any bad luck, you know, and just put him on there. I mean, it's been done before, and... Yeah. Uh, you're right. You, there is concerns, and and the the possible replace, replacements for those injury prone players are, are what have we got? Maybe uh, Amon un, untried. Archie hasn't played a game. Um, mm. You know. So you're right. If if they go, and I mean, you can't rely on Hitchcock, can you? No. Really? I mean, when I can't even remember the last time he's actually run out a full game. Um, so uh, I can't remember the last time he's run out of full lead. <laughs> Or a first quarter, let alone a full game. Oh, it's a bit rough, but yeah. um, it is it is rough. But yeah, That's he's a rough just sport. Yes, he he can but... count himself pretty bloody lucky, I think. And I think the only reason we've kept him is for a little bit of depth and and just as another option there. I'm kind of worried mm. that we kept him because he's a really good bloke. Because everything you know, he's involved in everything at the club. He seems to be mates with everyone. And I just really hope we're not returning to that year of he's a good bloke. So let's give him another shot. I guess we we've uh, we counted Impey as a small defender, but he can play that sort of small forward role as well. Yeah, hopefully. Um, so you if he could be a success there, that'd be that that would be pretty handy. It's, mm. I, I certainly think that's probably where he'll do debut. Um, this if he plays this year, I think he'll probably play forward. But you are right. If you look at all the other squads, they are very much sort of goal kicking midfielders. So you're looking at yep. Eamon Buchanan, you know, Ryan O'Keefe, Schneider, Allison, um, Rioli, Chapman, Steve Johnson, Johnson, Chapman, yeah. yeah. Even Daryl Borlase, Wayne Marnie, these guys were sort of more midfielders than forwards. Yeah, and I, I would, uh, I would love it if we, if we drafted some goal-kicking midfielders because I think that's a real weakness for us is just getting it on the board. Yeah. Could Young play that small forward role? I guess we've got Wingard. But... We've got Wingard, that's one. That's about it. Mm. But he's going to be a prime midfielder pretty soon, I would have thought, so, uh, yeah. you know. Well, I hope the Polex sort of becomes that player as well. Oh, I don't... Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I can dream the dream. That's okay. You can dream the dream. That's okay. I'll, I'll let you. Well, I guess that. there's Hartlett as well. I mean, every time I've been going on about this for 12 months, but I'd love to see Hartlett more on a forward flank than in the bloody back pocket when he's resting or injured. Yeah. At least he's got a big kick and can kick goals. He's proven he can kick goals. He can be a match winner off a forward flank, um, but we just don't play him there enough. I guess the thing about being a good long kick is that. Uh, in this today's game, you can see him as having a unique zone-breaking ability, and that's probably more useful to have that to break through midfield rather than you know him sitting around half forward waiting for the ball to come to him. Um, yeah, but I'd, I'd rather him get 12 touches and two goals a game than 12 touches in a back pocket. I if he's if he's in that sort of mood. Given how much trouble we have clearing through midfield, I kind of can see a point to keep him in half back and try and get us through there because that's a bit of a weakness for us in a lot of ways is just getting it getting it past the centre square. What I think about this is probably another issue with uh, just going back to defence mm. for a moment. I think one of the other things that I really liked about our draft strategy this year is that it means that we don't have to play a Hartlett, an Ebert or a Broadbent in the future in a back pocket or off a back flank because we'll have other players that can actually do that role there specifically so that these other players can play their more natural role in the midfield. Uh, and really, I don't know that we necessarily had to play them in defence this year, did we? I mean, we, cho we chose to, but I don't know that we, we needed did. to. Hmm. 
Well, we needed to create that run out of defence, and I think that's why we moved sort of Ebert there early on and then Broadbent later. Yeah, but that's because we're playing an overloaded defence. That's why they were back. It's not because we don't have defenders. It's because we're playing our midfielders too defensively. Okay, well, we'll leave it there for this week. Um, we'll make this a two-parter. Uh, so next week we'll talk about the midfield, uh, the utilities and the ruck and, and work out a time frame of when we're going to win a premiership. Um, until next week, go the power. Go power.